you know, women have always been the strongest people in my life. In my life. In my life. In my life. Doesn't she know that's just boys being boys? It's not man. But I have a problem with that frame, and I don't accept it. You guys are all good pussy. Come on, you pansy. It's like we got ourselves a ladies, man. I'm a baby. I'm a man. Redefining what we come to know as manhood. My name is Will Small. I've been handed stories throughout my life of what a man should be, how they should act, what they aren't supposed to say or do. And I wonder, what stories are we currently passing on to our young boys and men? Are we satisfied with them? This show is not a set of answers. Rather, it's a conversation with those who want to ask better questions. Live a better story. If that's you, you're in the right place. This is the Mankind Podcast. When my first son Noah was born, my wife and I decided to let his hair grow until he was at least two years old. He had killer curls, and we loved the idea of him being wild and free. As his hair started to get some length, people would commonly say things like, you have a really beautiful daughter. I noticed that when people thought he was a girl, they would treat him a little differently to when they found out he was a boy. I felt confused by these interactions. I felt weirdly uncomfortable about how often he was mistaken for a girl while also feeling like it shouldn't matter and I shouldn't care. He was a toddler. It's crazy how early we want to lock in certain identity traits. So rather than cutting Noah's hair, I decided to grow mine long. It's one little way of making a statement that how we look doesn't really change who we are. Take gender out of it for a moment though. I think one of the biggest obstacles we all face is becoming comfortable being unique, being who we are without caring so much what other people want us to be. I spoke with Grant Maloney, an incredibly talented artist and photographer, and I really noticed how important it was for him, this idea of owning himself. It may not happen overnight, but I wonder if it's a key part of this whole conversation. Here's my chat with Grant. Well, if you go into Long Jetty on the Central Coast and you walk into a shop called Lucky Surf and Supply Co. And then you walk through the back doors and you'll end up at Grant Maloney Gallery. Is that what it's called? Yep, Grant Maloney Gallery, yep. Yep, and I'm being told that by the man himself, Grant Maloney, <laughs> sitting in his gallery. And um, man, it's awesome to be sitting here today surrounded by your artwork. I'm a big fan. There's probably a lot of people who know you through your art without knowing you. Do you know? There's probably people that walk past stuff that you've done in their everyday lives that have no idea who you are. Um, but I've definitely seen your stuff all over the coast and absolutely love it. What are some of the pieces that, you know, are kind of like you're most proud of or like, you know, where are some Ooh. of the places people can find your work? Yeah, I'm probably my biggest enemy, to be honest. I actually don't love a lot of the work I do. Um, yeah, right. Saying that I don't, I don't sign off on anything unless I'm to a certain level. I don't. Sure. But uh, the ones that work, it, they're, they're the special ones, so that's kind of makes it worthwhile, but. I guess uh, Aaron Affair is probably the biggest one lo- locally. That was a team. The whale? Of, yeah, the whale as yeah. well. Yeah, so that's my brother as well that done all the Indigenous work on the poles. Yep. Uh, Russ Maloney and then another two mates as well. Yeah, Jason Goulding and Trent Braley done all the, all the graphic side. So, yeah, I work with a bit of a team of people as well. Yeah. So going a little bit beyond, you know, people might know you through some of those pieces, whether or not you love them or hate them, whatever. <laughs> They're out there. They're a part of your, your work in the world. Um, but just why don't you just give us a quick snapshot of you know your story just in a few sentences where'd you grow up 
who are you? What do you care about? Who's Grant Maloney? Well, deep. Um, yes, I grew up here on the central coast. I've, um, my parents still live in the same house at Berkeley Vale. I've got four brothers. We grew up around the ocean. That's probably our biggest inspiration. Everyone's pretty creative in the family. Um, I guess a lot of people kind of kind of lose it. I I for a long time loved the ocean, obviously, and, and um, mm. was lucky enough to travel the world on the bodyboard tour. So I competed a lot. Wow. That then led into photography. A lot of my peers, a lot of bodyboarders, are actually the, some of the best surf photographers in the world. So I still yeah, um, right. I practice, you know, photography in water stuff as well. So that's a, a big part of a release for me. Not so much financial wise, but um, yeah, more of just the actual act of doing it. And the whole time, I've all, I was always painting. A lot of friends knew, but not 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 people publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I guess it just kind of flowed naturally. I had a, a friend order a piece off me and. Then the whole Instagram world kind of took off and, yeah, been doing it full-time for, for a number of years now. So very, very lucky to call this a job. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, this space here is pretty special as well. You do a bunch of stuff here beyond just hanging out on the walls, I understand, sort of events and things happen here. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, for me, being from the coast, it's always a struggle to actually get your work out there and get, you know, the right kind of community to see it. I didn't really fit anywhere else in any other spaces so I kind of had to make my own um yeah but I had a gallery at Forester's Beach in Gracelands for a number of years and then um made the jump to Long Jetty I've been here for probably a bit over two years now but yeah very cool yeah supporting young young up-and-coming artists is a is a pretty cool thing yeah yeah, yeah that's awesome well uh people should definitely come check this space out I love it um so you grew up with four brothers on the central coast, obviously loving the ocean. Sounds like that's always been a big part of your story and what you connect to. I'm really interested in this idea of what it means to be a man. And this whole conversation is part of a set of conversations exploring that question. Um, I don't know about you, man, but today I feel like it gets more and more confusing trying to figure out what that is. And for me growing up, there was kind of, you know, all these mixed messages, like I'm a poet, you're an artist. I was never good at fixing a car or doing anything kind of like really practical and manly. Um, but I want to talk to people about what it really means. What does it mean to be a man? But I just want to start with going back to you growing up in that house, four brothers, you know, a lot of, lot of testosterone in that house, I imagine. What were some of the ideas when you were a kid that you thought of about, you know, being a man? What were the stories you were told about what it means to be a man? Yeah, I, I think it's, actually slowly changing which is which is a really good sign but um you know I probably grew up in a pretty classic classic house you know dad dad was at work mum was definitely the the support the backbone the the caring nurturing you know women have always been the strongest people in my life Mm. um and yeah back then I think it's you know strength and masculinity of you know being too tough to go to the doctor and all that kind of thing, which which I definitely did see with my dad. Like a, he played rugby union, and you know the broken neck, and keep on playing the game, and that kind of thing. But I was right. the complete opposite. So I guess I probably struggled with that growing up. You know, being into art, or you know, surf surf definitely kept me connected with a lot of people. But even in that, I'm I'm a drop near, so like bodyboarding is definitely its own little family and then drop knees like an even smaller one inside of that so it's quite a niche little 
pocket of people that do it. So I've always been used to being in the off to the side. But um, yeah, I guess it took me a while to be comfortable in my my own skin. You know, yeah. not, I don't I don't care about watching footy or whatever it is on. But I'm I'm happy to it to admit that now. But yeah, so I think that's that's pretty massive because when you grow up familiar with that feeling of being off to the edge, being not quite fitting the mould and uh, sort of finding yourself, yeah, struggling to kind of really come to terms with this is who I am and it's a little bit different. But it sounds like you have got to a place where you're authentically you, you're confident and comfortable in your skin. You probably have a different idea now of what it means to be not just any man but the man that you are. At this point in your life when you think about, you know, yeah, being a man, masculinity, manhood, uh, what are some of the things that you think define that? I think it's good that, like, in a lot of ways, it's it's stronger to be more vulnerable to actually say that you, you know, you're not at that level or whatever it may be to admit mm. things that aren't quite right. So, um, yeah, I think I've gotten to a good place now. So I I know what I like and what I don't like. And when when you get older, you kind of own yourself a bit more and. Um, yeah, just actually realise how important time is and becoming a parent as well, that's a, that's a massive thing. Game so, changer. Yeah, so it's, there's all your motivation right there. So you, you realise what, what did I used to do with my time? Like, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that vulnerability thing seems to have really changed, hey, because I feel kind of lucky. I feel like a lot of people talk these days about vulnerability as a positive thing. It's sort of more of a culture of like understanding that, you know, when people are vulnerable, that's actually, that's, we should respect that. That's powerful stuff. Yeah. But I reckon for my dad, maybe for your dad, that probably, it probably wasn't cool <laughs> to be vulnerable at all. Do you feel like you had any role models or any people that helped to kind of help you feel more comfortable being like that? Yeah, I guess my brothers as well. Like I, they're all very different people, but from each I could, you know, I, I got, I'm the youngest of the, of the four, so I could sit back and kind of see everyone's kind of path in a way, I guess, and um, take different bits and, of advice or whatever. But, um, yeah, vulnerability is, I think that's stronger than, than just pretending. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, it's funny because I've got an older brother and a younger brother and then three sisters in the mix as well. But for me, I always, like, I look and I see this sort of evolution between my older brother and my younger brother, I'm in the middle. My older brother is definitely a lot more, uh, you know, he sort of washes the car every weekend, wears a button-up shirt, respectable guy, and I love both my brothers. My younger brother, he's a street artist, got tattoos everywhere, you know, big spaces in his ears. I like to think I'm just sort of the perfect balance in the middle. <laughs> just <laughs> middle right. Child, yeah. You know, the Goldilocks, just right. Um, so if you could go back now, you know, you're comfortable in your skin now, but it wasn't always that way. If you could go back and have a conversation with like the 18 year old version of Grant Maloney, what are some of the things you'd say to him? What kind of advice would you give him about, you know, figuring out who he is, what it means to be a man? Yeah, that's scary. Um, I guess I would probably stop worrying, stop worrying. Yeah. I don't know. I was always, I guess it was a bit anxious, like all through school and, um, but I always kind of snuck, secretly snuck through, um, be yourself, I guess. Yeah, that's good. And uh, what do you reckon 18-year-old Grant would say back to that? <laughs> if he had the, the youth from the future come back? Oh, that was tough times. I used to have hair pretending that I um, actually wasn't going bald. So it's a 
tough time back then. Oh, well, you're pulling off the look now pretty well. Best day ever, shave your head. Nice. So what are some of the things that frustrate you uh, today as you kind of look around as, as a man, as a parent, as a brother, um, just as a person living in the world we do today? You know, some of the things that people expect about men or some of the things that men say about what it means to be a man, are there particular things that really just tick you off that you wish you could challenge or change? Definitely. There's a lot of negative concepts in there, like um, perceptions. Yeah, it's, you know, aggression and a lot of things that aren't very attractive, you know. So, yeah, I've always, I guess been almost the opposite of masculine in the in the classic sense of the word really yeah yeah i think the whole sense of vulnerability and pushing towards that is is slowly changing but Mm. yeah i like what you said before about you know vulnerability is kind of a more true form of strength and it's funny like there there is this sense of um i guess what we're, we're typically told that men are to be to be strong to not cry to you know kind of don't show your feelings in many ways to truly be strong and to truly be courageous would actually be the opposite of that so it's it's all kind of uh, a bit of a jumble um are there you know you said that you're kind of i guess interested in developing um up and coming artists and obviously you're a parent as well um as you look to you know kind of speaking into younger generations of boys men teenagers that you may come across in your work and life you know what do you think are some of the things that you would love to kind of instill into that next generation yeah just compassion and um obviously the artistic world the the best thing about you is your uniqueness so just for the kids to be themselves like i i obviously found it hard to to get somewhere to pursue a career in the arts like it's not easy in any sense of the word especially in a regional place like we are Mm. Um, yeah, so to give any opportunity back is is always super rewarding. That's um, yeah. Other than my own practice, like that's the biggest the biggest thing I've got from this whole art practice. Yeah, which even doing that and showing other those those guys that you know to do the same to continue to be somebody who's focused on the development of others. Um, that's certainly, I think, a, an image of manhood that it'd be great to see more of. You know, a sense of well, I become my best when I help others become their best. So I'm wondering for you, are there particular men that you do look to, whether it's in the art world or, or in kind of the surfing world or photography or, you know, just on a personal level, like relatives, or are there people that you look to and you think that is an example uh, of the kind of man I want to be, somebody who is strong and vulnerable open with their feelings but you know sort of comfortable in their skin who are some examples that you look to well family obviously yeah so i'm surrounded by a you know a great family yeah but thinking about it just before we started the podcast like i think the strongest people in my life are actually women like Mm. it's not the it's not the masculine kind of guy so um yeah the, the strength of of mothers um you know my partner to see what they do like that's why they are mums. Like guys can't handle what they do. Like seriously, I see that every day. So um, that's awesome, man. Let's actually yeah. talk about that for a bit because I think that's a big thing. You know, I do feel like um, 
to, to learn to truly be a man. Uh, and I think they're really jumbled ideas. Like I have to say that like masculinity and femininity, I think they exist within each of us. Like I am a man, but I need to be able to be comfortable with the feminine parts of me to truly become, you know, who I am. Um, so they're sort of, they're like blurry terms, but this idea of like, actually there are strong women in my life who teach me more about who I am than anybody else. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Like what are some of the things that you see in your mother growing up, for example, that taught you about who you want to be in the world? Definitely. Yeah. So my mum's like a, a natural carer. She's basically obviously five boys. So you would consider massive. that. A, yeah. Massive. You would consider that a pretty crazy environment, but that's what she lived for. Like she, she would have had 50 kids. Like, but as soon as I went to preschool, she started looking after wildlife. So she's, Basically, she hasn't slept a full night since I, since I was five years old. Like, I'm, wow. I'm 36. Like, she's just constantly caring. Like, she's, so she's just got that motherly instinct. But they're the strongest people ever. Like a mother would do anything for their child. You know, growing up, not, not rich, you know, like, we had everything we needed. But that's where art come along, I think. Like, mm. a piece of paper and a pen, kitted up, you know, a board for the beach. And, yeah, um, not to discredit Dad, obviously. Like, he was out, out working, so we could feed that many mouths, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I feel the same. You know, like it's interesting, like obviously you're from a big family. I'm also from a big family. Uh, five kids in yours, six kids in mine. And mine was also that kind of traditional model of my dad worked full time and uh, my mum was, you know, the one putting Band-Aids on our knees and, you know, teaching us, you know, how to, um, how to like – run a household, how to cook a meal, how to kind of do all of those sort of things that as a different kind of work, but man, it's still work. And I think more than ever, I've realized that, yeah, it's just different forms of work and labor and creation and, and all of those things. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of feel like there's something in that sense of um, just being able to look at that as more than, well, you were just in that role because you had to be, but actually there's something that was uh, my mum was teaching me how to be a man. My mum was teaching me how to be a man who, who knows, you know, how to do the most basic things. Um, so what about, you know, were there other people that, um, you know, at certain points in your life that you felt like really spoke into who you were becoming and had a big influence? Yeah, definitely. Like, um, yeah, obviously brothers um, have all kind of led their own path and you know, I've taken huge insights from them. Um, travel as well, like tra travel is probably a big thing for me um, at quite a young age, like going and chasing waves, but you kind of, travel is like the, the biggest thing, you kind of jump in the mm -hmm. deep end and kind of learn for yourself. So that, that was definitely a, a huge thing and it's probably in some ways led to the creative kind of space I'm in at the moment. Um, but as, as far as actual people, I, you know, I have it, like um, some mentors in the bodyboarding world yeah, it's it's more of a collective than a individuals. Sure. Yeah. So, so that uh, that village idea, I guess you know, we sort of find ourselves surrounded by all sorts of people, um, and maybe it's not necessarily that that single person that stands out, but for you, it's just being a part of those different communities, you know, bodyboarding world, art world, family, all together. It's kind of made you who you are. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love to get a little bit practical, Grant. If you're if you're happy to think about this. Um, you know, I, like I want to be a better man and I definitely, whatever that means, I want to be a better human, you know, take out sort of the gendered language in a sense. I just want to be a better person, but I know that that's not just going to happen 
by me just like sort of hoping for it or just sort of, you know, wishfully thinking about it. Uh, I'm not going to become a, a more, you know, kind or vulnerable or courageous person just thinking about it. I kind of need things in place to help me get there. And I'm wondering for you, are there things in your life, like are there things that you do, are there kind of certain practices or things in your like rhythm of how you do life that help you, you know, to become better or to become more vulnerable? Definitely, yeah. There's, um, I think knowing knowing yourself and where you are. Like I, if I haven't been in the ocean for a, a period of time, like I can feel myself, you know, building up stress or right. letting smaller things attack you, like which should never be. Like even not not painting for a while, like just just actual the process of doing it. Even if you're not not working towards a, a certain piece, you're just actually painting just just doing it yeah even just looking at the water sometimes does it for me like it just re- resettles resets you know you find a lot of time if you um chaos with kids etc so um if that if that's building up you feel yourself taking anything out on them like they don't deserve it so that's mm. that's me keeping myself in check trying to yeah trying to be better surrounding yourself with with people that you should surround yourself with as well Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. So for you, that constant connection with the ocean, like that sounds like that's just a part of how you stay healthy, 100%. And then I love that idea of, you know, like not just uh, like your art is not just about work. That's It's awesome that that's a part of it, but just having that practice of continuing to paint and then kind of the people that you choose to surround yourself with. That's awesome. Um, so... And then you have those moments, it's almost like you notice, like you said, when the stress is building up or when you're starting to snap out a bit or whatever, that's when you know, you know, I've kind of lost those rhythms. Definitely, um, yeah. What's it feel like for you when you kind of, you get, you get back in the ocean where you kind of like, tell me a little bit like physically about that experience, what it does for you. It's always been there. It's like my first love, I guess. It's, it's just settling, settling, this calmness, like. Mm. sometimes I almost have to force myself to get in even though if it's you know the waves aren't good or whatever just go for a swim but you always know after it's it's you're better <laughs> you're better yep yeah yeah I feel like I had this uh sort of transition happen when I moved to the coast I moved from Canberra and definitely for the first part of my time living here I was just anytime I was near the water I had to go in because that's the Canberra mindset I didn't live near the ocean it was such a privilege to be able to go to the ocean man I got to go in longer I lived here, the more I've kind of become acclimatized and maybe take it for granted. And I'm like, oh, it's like slightly too cold. I'm not going in. But the thing I've noticed is that anytime I actually push past that, anytime I actually go in the water, I always feel better for it. Like a hundred percent. There's never a time when I regret that. And I would think maybe it's important for, for guys to find what are those things? Like for you, it's so clear that that's, you know, a big part of you staying healthy, but what are those things that maybe it takes a bit of discipline to actually keep doing it, to actually keep moving the paintbrush or to keep moving the bike pedals or to keep running or, you know, keep going to the gym or it doesn't have to be physical, you know, keep writing poetry, um, but find that thing and kind of push past because it's, uh, I see the same thing in you that I see in me that, you know, it's not just about feeling it, it's about doing it regardless of whether or not you're feeling it. Yeah, yeah just starting, just, just actual starting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, awesome. 
So uh, I'd love to know kind of if you were, um, yeah, able to kind of speak one message that every, every 16-year-old kid, every 18-year-old kid in our society right now trying to figure out what it means, you know, to be, to be comfortable in their skin as a man. If you could just like broadcast into their brain one thing that they'd think about for the next week, what would it be? Yeah, I guess show compassion. Be yourself, but don't hurt others in the process of being yourself. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to think about that in my head for the next week. <laughs> uh, thank you, man. I really appreciate you opening up your space here, allowing me to come and ask you these questions and be a part of this conversation. And one thing I just observe uh, as I sit and listen to you is that you clearly are comfortable with who you are. And to me, I think probably that's like the biggest thing, right, in terms of what does it mean to be a man, a human, a woman, just to be comfortable who you are. And so much of our, I think our frustration comes from not meeting a certain expectation, which is kind of false anyway, if it's not actually what feels right, you know, in your skin. So um, thanks, man. I'd love it if, if there's any final thoughts that you want to share or any kind of final reflections. Uh, otherwise, maybe just give a plug. Where can we see your staff and where yeah. can people get connected with you? Uh, just, um, I just appreciate you asking, basically, and um, yeah, humbled to be part of it. Um, yeah, anyone can check out work, um, grantmaloney.com, the website or Instagram as always. But um, yeah, hopefully see some pain around soon. Awesome. Thank you, Grant. This Mankind podcast is a conversation about what it means to live out a positive story of manhood in the world today. I don't think it's possible to have a conversation about being a good man without including the perspectives of women in the conversation. If you're a man listening to this podcast, why not listen to it with your partner, girlfriend, mother, sister, daughter, see what they think. I've asked a good friend of mine, Hannah Gearhart, to add her voice to this conversation. I, <laughs> I am Hannah Gearhart. I am a writer. I um, am doing a PhD in creative writing at the moment. I'm also a head teacher of English in a local high school. I am a passionate feminist. I am married to a wonderful man and we have two small kids, so I'm a mum and wife as well. Good evening, Hannah. Hello. How are you going? I'm well, thank you. For anyone uh, who's listening to this, they don't have the privilege of knowing you maybe as well as I do. Why don't you give a quick snapshot of who you are and your different contexts and just introduce yourself in your own words. Okay. Um, like you mentioned, I'm an English teacher. I coordinate a faculty in a high school. Um, I really enjoy that. I'm, I'm also a mum of two little kids, married to an excellent human. Um, I'm a writer. So at the moment, I'm actually doing a PhD in creative writing. I'm focusing on narratives that are often socially repressed. So this, this is a really interesting space to discuss um, because I'm, I'm particularly focusing on female narratives and narratives of, of being a mother and sister and family spaces. Yeah. I'm so glad to have you involved in this. I mean, doing a PhD, you obviously have some good thoughts in your brain. Oh, you'd hope so. And then, you know, I, I, I've... I love that you you have um, a teaching heart, but maintain your own creative practice. That's sort of something I love. I love that Grant touched on that in, mm. in the chat as well about mm. doing his own art, but also empowering others. But yeah, um, you know, feel free as we discuss 
uh, each of these conversations to also pull me up on things or kind of challenge my interviewing style or, you know, just I think it's so important to have um, uh, that kind of female woman perspective Mm. as part of this project. So thank you for, and I know that you cannot possibly represent uh, all that it means to be Mm. a woman and all that it means to have a female perspective, Um, but in, in some way being you know, a, a seat at the table. Thank you for that. Yeah, pleasure. And that, that actually does bring up something that I would like to acknowledge that I do live with a certain level of privilege. So when I'm speaking, I'm not the definitive voice on female experience and I don't want to misrepresent or undermine other experiences. So I guess, you know, what I have to say is filtered from that level of privilege and I don't know, I'd love to hear other voices as well and mm not just sounds like definitive about the female experience. Um, so all of that in mind, mm-hmm. what stood out to you from that conversation as you listened to my chat with Grant? What were some of the things that really stood out to you? Um, I really appreciated Grant's well, very, he sounds incredibly authentic and incredibly honest. And I really appreciated how he could just be so authentically vulnerable. I know vulnerability was a thing that came up a lot, but it sounded like he was not reverting to stereotypes, um, wasn't trying to push any particular agenda. He was just talking very honestly about where he's come from and what masculinity looks like for him. Um, so yeah, I really appreciated there was a real warmth and just a genuine expression of his journey, um, and what, what he's learned from that. So I think that was a really beautiful thing to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And I think, I think I said this to Grant maybe after the interview, but he was kind of practicing what he preached because I know that for him being behind the mic and sort of Mm. having that conversation, uh, was an act of vulnerability, um, because, you know, that's probably not the most comfortable place for him. Like for many people, it's not the most comfortable place. Not everyone's weird like me and likes uh, (laughs) talking publicly. Pretty weird. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, were there things that came up that you really want to kind of affirm or encourage or kind of almost kind of go pay attention to this like this is something we need to underline or highlight yeah absolutely so I think what I really one of the main things I appreciated was him talking about not just the benefits of masculinity or what masculinity can be good for but he was really purposeful in acknowledging the place that femininity has in that and he kept returning to that the whole Um, idea that women are incredibly strong and that he has deep respect for the women in his life and I think that's a really important space isn't it to talk Mm. about because often we do talk in those dichotomies of men do this women do this and there's not much overlap so I really appreciated that you both were talking about the beauty of masculine and feminine in relationship Um, and how they don't have to be exclusive terms or exclusive experiences. And I think you even touched on that, that all genders can embody aspects of both. So Mm. you can be a man who has incredibly feminine traits and that's a real strength rather Mm. than something to be ashamed of. So I think that is something we need to pay attention to. Yeah, absolutely. I love the way he Mm. described 
his mum. Mm. I love that the word he used for her was the strongest, I think one of the strongest yeah. people I know. And then he went on to describe his mum as, as a really generous, giving person. Mm. And um, this podcast is called Mankind mm. with a semicolon in the middle, mm. trying to kind of say these ideas are could be related. Mm. We probably don't commonly think of strength with uh, being a, such a giver. Mm. Um, or we probably don't necessarily think of man and the first word that pops into our head is kind. Mm. Um, but I love that the way that he described her had that fullness and had that kind of integratedness mm. about it. That's it. And it sounds like he also has both aspects to himself as well. For sure. Um, he obviously was deeply impacted and inspired by his mum and is living out that similar nurturing kindness, grace. And I think it raised something as well, you know, how we often can be quite harsh on generations that have gone before us. You both touched on ideas of fathers in archetypal provider roles and mothers being home with children. Um, What I really appreciated about the way you both talked about it though, was that even though they were probably more common gendered roles, it's not something to be ashamed about. Like Grant said, his mother seemed to just really love that role and was, was built to just nurture and, and give life and, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that obviously for people to have choice and not just the illusion of choice, mm-hmm. but a genuine choice um, is the, the key piece there. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of this, I think, is just fraught with um, needing to step carefully, mm-hmm. needing to be thoughtful, um, which is why I think, you know, the more that we can talk about it, men, women, children, young people, mm-hmm. uh, old people talking to our parents about this who did it differently, um, I think is so important because uh, it is layered. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we're not going to arrive at an answer, but we can keep talking through how do we do this better? Yeah. How do we make more space? Yeah, and I think yeah. that's it, isn't it, the danger of black and white thinking. So this is right now, so that must be wrong or this is what masculinity should look like, so other expressions are wrong. And I think that's what I appreciated about the conversation you had was um, – Grant had a real focus on uniqueness and people being really authentic to what they wanted and who they felt they were. And I think that's where we're moving towards positive representations of gender, isn't it? When like you're not feeling conformed to a stereotype or an expectation, but you can just live as you are meant to and kindly and not harming others, as you both mentioned Um I think that's the key, isn't it? Rather than, okay, this is how I do it, so therefore this is the correct way and everyone else is wrong. Yes. And that's where we get into destructive gender representations. Yeah, I think his, uh, <clears throat> he had a little one-liner kind of at the end, mm. uh, be yourself without hurting anyone else. Yeah, that was a really beautiful yeah. summation of his his ethos, isn't it? And, yeah, it's true. Like men will look different And as long as it is not a destructive, toxic representation of masculinity and there's kindness and and Mm. other-centeredness, then hooray, you know? Yes. Um, Yeah, and I think that's, you know, he he talked about how, you know, there are often those two sides of masculinity. There's that real aggression um, that we've often seen masculinity to be represented as, but he's talking about a need for vulnerability. Um, And I think that's what he's discussing, like that we have had these really reductive representations of masculinity and now that vulnerability is essential for counteracting that negativity, I guess. And 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I love it. I think that even just asking two questions, you know, am I being myself? Am I becoming more myself? And am I hurting anyone? Mm. Do you know, just because um, you could answer either one of those questions positively, but not be kind of whole if you're not, you know, it's, it's possible to be non-offensive and not hurt anyone, mm. but not be actually becoming more authentically who you are. Mm. It's also possible to feel like you're becoming more authentically you, but in a way that is, you know, sort of running up against other people mm. around you and, and kind of maybe leans into an arrogant or aggressive sense of self. Mm. But to ask both of those, am I becoming more comfortable who I am? And is it better for the people around me mm. um, would be a good thing. Was there anything that you felt was kind of maybe missing or anything that if you were sitting at the table with us, uh, you would have raised in the chat as well? Yeah, well, I think these ideas were touched on, but I would have loved to expand on that a little bit more where there still is a little bit of duality in that representation of masculinity. So there was either the really aggressive side or the extremely vulnerable side. And you know how we were talking before about that spectrum of, of gendered representation. Um, you know, that's, it's not a coin. It's not either aggressive or vulnerable. Mm. Um, I guess there are multidimensional aspects to this. And yes, like some men love, well, aggressive team sports and they're not aggressive in real life, but that's an aspect of personality that they like embracing in the safe confines of a sporting field. Um, and some men are incredibly authentic but find it very hard to talk and expose their deep workings very easily. You know, mm. I know men like that too who I think are some of the best humans I know. Um, so, yeah, I guess just talking about how there is just so much scope for masculinity. And we get back to those questions you were talking about before, like am I moving towards my most, you know, content and peaceful self? Like am I happy with who I'm becoming and am I bettering those around me? I think that's where that can sit really nicely with that scope mm. that we were talking about. Um, it's not negative positive it's we we all have aspects of health and aspects that need development um and i guess that's something to really highlight yeah i knew there was a reason i asked you to be uh, a part of this <laughs> <laughs> oh. the image of the coin is really helpful actually just to think that um we are so good even even in trying to have a conversation that is a little bit more progressed mm. it's still like you said aggressive or vulnerable rather than um, recognising that the whole point of having a better conversation about manhood, womanhood, humanhood, um, whateverhood, mm. is about how do we create just room for so many more versions yeah. and kind of that richness. Yeah, but I guess you do have to start somewhere and that's, that's what this conversation is doing. It's a really beautiful start to these bigger discussions. You know, you can't flip the lid off completely and, you know, um, all the ideas happen. It's, that's a nice segue into maybe that aggressive, cliched representation of masculinity is 
restrictive and flawed and what other representations are there and I think you know baby steps into this this discussion so that then people are feeling more welcome to Mm. express individuality rather than no one knows what the heck anyone is doing anymore and I feel like I'm doing it wrong and you know like on that on that note uh you know sort of entering in with baby steps Mm. and any any step is a good step uh are there kind of um any things you have in mind that you think people listening to this who want to take another step anything that you think would be useful for people to continue to explore or think about or read or or do you know kind of anything that they could integrate into their life that would help um even this week to continue along this path Mm, well, I guess you and Grant identified two really good ones to start with, that self-awareness and knowing what de-stresses or what keeps you healthy, um, surrounding yourself with people that you should. I liked how Grant said that one. Um, but I think you also touched on something really important, that idea of listening to experiences outside of your own. So I really encourage people to to hear from ethnicities or socioeconomic statuses that aren't our own or, you know, voices that often aren't given space in society and they're often the most um, important or Mm. revolutionary or, you know, perspective-shifting voices because they will say things that we're not used to. Um, So I think actively seeking out experiences beyond ours, not just what we're used to is is key there. I also think just being teachable. So I want to learn rather than I want to defend what I have always known, I think is that that posture and that intentional posture is really important to actually see change and development personally. Yeah, that's awesome. And both of those actually go really well together Mm. to seek out people outside of your realm of experience Mm. and then to engage in conversation with them with the attitude of a learner. Mm. Um, not just ready to respond, mm. but genuinely, you know, expecting mm. that I can learn from everyone, mm. um, even people in the most different places to me. Yeah, and I think, you know, finally with that, that idea of kindness that you both explored so um, thoughtfully is that, you know, sometimes when we realise those destructive attitudes we've had or those really negative representations of gender we've portrayed it can be really soul crushing sometimes and you know I've I can think of moments in life where I have realized I've I've perpetuated really destructive um stereotypes and it's it's really upsetting um but I guess that whole being kind to yourself and realizing we're all learning and we're all journeying into bettering ourselves and those around us like you said and just really being up for the learning journey and and yeah taking it easy on yourself and being open to change but also not self-flagellating for who you were before or what ideas you held awesome well i think that's uh that's where we'll leave this one thank you hannah for your thoughts um you are very good at thinking and talking and (laughs) nudging us all on towards being a little bit better (laughs) thank you so much this podcast has been proudly brought to you by the central coast council and developed by lead by story help us grow the conversation by giving it a positive rating and review on itunes or apple podcasts music for this show has been created by josh corkill and editing was done by sienna aloisio i've been your host will small 
Catch you next time on Mankind.